So uh, in your bulletin it says that Terry Howard will have special music. Well, um, I'm Terry Howard, yeah. <laughs> but this is um, one of my grandsons. His name is Nicholas Terrence Soto. <laughs> so um, he's going to help me out today. He is only, he just turned 10 years old, but he's learned to play the guitar fairly well. So, and sing. So here we go. church family. Our scripture this morning is 2 Corinthians 3 through 5. This is the clear word version. Let's express our gratitude to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus, who is most gracious and compassionate toward us and who is the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so we in turn can comfort others in their troubles as we share with them the comfort we receive from God. Just as we have a share in Christ's suffering, so through Christ our Father gives us the same comfort he gave Christ. Amen. Good morning, church. 
I'm very happy to see you. And I must tell you that for the last several weeks, I knew actually from the beginning of this quarter, I knew that I had to come up here before you this morning. And I started my preparations to do so. I started what I thought was a very intense, involved sermon for you. But because of the very frigid weather this week, I experienced a brain freeze. (laughs) So I'm sorry to tell you that the sermon, my very involved sermon that I prepared for you, I couldn't finish it because of my brain freeze. So last night, and I know the Lord doesn't like hurried things when we do things in a hurry, but I thought he would prefer my hurried sermon than no sermon at all. So I'm bringing you my hurried sermon this morning, and I hope that God will bless it and all of us will have a blessing. Because what I'm about to talk to you about is basically a few stories about encouraging each other. And I think we need to do that. A lot of us do are our encouragers. But I think we do, we do need to do more of encouraging each other in this world. So this little girl, Nan, was praying one time to God. And she said, dear God, I bet it is very hard for you to love everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. She can't love the four people in her family, so she's afraid that God is not able to love us all. But you know, just before we bow our heads, I just want to tell you that, and I empathize with moms and dads who have children. I know we are foster parents, and we sometimes, a little three-and-a-half-year-old is very busy at times. And this mother, a mother of three, says here unruly, but I wouldn't call them unruly. I call them busy. Preschoolers was asked whether she'd have children if she had to do it all over again. Sure, she responded, but not the same ones. Bow your heads with me, please. Our kind and loving Heavenly Father, we are not here for form or fashion. Speak through me, Lord, proclaiming the sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I want to thank Melody for the Bible scripture reading. And of course, I want to thank Nick. Nick, where have you been? Has he left? Oh, no, there you are. Jeez, you can do all that good guitar playing and singing, and I've never heard you do that before? Man, I'm going to be calling on you a lot more. So look out for my request. And thank you, Terry, as well. You know, um, I'm just going to read Melody's, uh, the scripture reading again. 
And I know Melody read it from the, the Claire word, and that's where I'm going to read it from, too. Because this is basically what my short sermon is based on today. And by the way, I don't really know if this is a short sermon, because I haven't had time to go through it or read it through. So you may be here until 1 o'clock, or you may get out at noon. Let's express our gratitude to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is most gracious and compassionate toward us, and who is the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles, so we in turn can comfort others in their troubles as we share with them the comfort we receive from God. Just as we have a share in God, in Christ's suffering, so through Christ, our Father gives us the same comfort he gave Christ. You know, we live in a dangerous world. TV adverts are designed to make us feel bad about ourselves and better if we buy their product. The world screams at most of us that we are inadequate. Depression and disillusionment are epidemic. And places that should be encouraging, like marriages, schools, and homes, are more than often not. If you and I are desperate for one thing, it's encouragement. When life is tiring, when we are struggling with our sin, when family members aren't saved, when bills aren't paid, when school is difficult, when work is exhausting, when your health is failing, when your loved ones are hurt, when the future is unsure, and when a good friend leaves, it is easy to be discouraged. Discouragement is a thief. It steals your vitality, your zeal, your joy, your peace, and your contentment. If discouragement dwells long with you, its friends will soon join. Their names of fatigue, hopelessness, despair, self-pity, depression, doubt, and bitterness. Sometimes discouragement can be so strong that you even don't want to go on living. Discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, distaste for the present, and distrust of the future. It is a result of blindness. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday, indifference to the opportunities of today, and insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. It is unawareness of the presence of God, unconcerned for the needs of our fellow man, and unbelief in the promises of his word. If we have nothing to rely on, or we forget our blessing and look to our circumstances, then, the, then that is when discouragement begins to take hold. Instead, what we need 
is encouragement. We need hope and peace and a knowledge that the Lord knows our troubles, has great concern and compassion for us, and is not leaving us unloved or uncared for. Keeping our eyes on Jesus is the best way to be encouraged. In him, we can have comfort and peace and encouragement. We need to find him and his words, and by faith, rest in him. So, be encouraged, because God is a God of mercy and comfort. And in verse 3, blessed by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. God is called the Father of mercies. He is the author of mercy. So let us then be encouraged as God encourages us. An Indianapolis, an Indianapolis school teacher had the duty of telling her 19 second graders the results of their state-required progress test taken earlier that year. Unfortunately, not all of them had passed the test. As the teacher spoke with each one, it was easy to tell which ones had passed. Their facial expressions told the story. Those who failed walked quietly back to their seats. For one little boy, it was all too much. Though he tried to hold back the tears, they began to flow. Then the unexpected occurred. One by one, the children came to the crying boy's desk to comfort him. They patted him on the back hugged him as only seven-year-olds can hug, and told him not to worry. He would get another chance in summer school. They shared love and encouragement with a friend when he needed it most. Those children passed an even more important test that morning. Take encouragement because God is there in your afflictions. God comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Afflictions come in all different shapes and sizes. Sickness, financial difficulty, loss of a loved one, an unsure future, an auto accident. But also, and this is something very important, affliction occurs in the heart, in that place where we dwell most. You must have heard the story of Fred Craddock. Sorry, the story that was told by Fred Craddock. He tells of the time he and his wife slipped away to the mountains for a few days of relaxation. As they sat in a little restaurant, they saw a man going from table to table, greeting diners. Eventually, he made his way to the Craddock's table, and 
Learning that Fred was a minister, he insisted on telling them his story. The man said he had been born just a few miles from that spot, across the mountain. His mother had not been married when he was born, and the criticism directed at her also hit him. His schoolmates learned from their parents how to ridicule. And the boy learned to stay to himself at lunch and recess, lest their ridicule or their insults strike too hard. Even more difficult were trips to town with his mother when he could feel the looks and the shaking of hands, and he heard the questions. I wonder who his father is. When he was about 12, a new pastor came to the little community church. People talked about his skill as a preacher, and the boy began to go here for himself. He was fascinated by the preacher, but he was all, always careful to slip in late, sit in the back, and leave early lest someone catch him and ask, what's a boy like you doing here? One Sunday, though, he was so caught up in the service that he forgot to slip out before it was over. Suddenly, he felt a big hand on his shoulder, and as he turned around, he saw the face of that preacher. The preacher said, who are you, son? Whose boy are you? His young heart sank at the question. But then the preacher went on. Wait a minute. I know who you are. The family resemblance is unmistakable. You are a child of God. With that, he patted the boy on the back and added, Boy, that's quite an inheritance. Go and claim it. As the boy changed to manhood in that restaurant, the old man said to Fred and his wife, that one statement literally changed my whole life. He explained that his name was Ben Hooper, and he had twice been elected governor of the state of Tennessee. His had been a successful and respected life, made possible by a small-town minister who cared enough to encourage a little boy. Are there some Ben Hoopers in your life, in my life? Is there someone who thinks life has little in store for them, but whose lives can be transformed by your encouragement? Encouragement is something that belongs to us as Christians. We do not have to live in a world of hurt and doubt. We don't have to live alone. We don't have to weep in solitude. We have the body of Christ to lift us up. We have the word of God to teach us. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us who warms our souls. We have the God of encouragement waiting to show us 
his mercy and love. But we need to trust. We need to remember the Lord's blessings. We need to depend on him. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and him alone. Matthew eleven twenty eight tells us, Come to me, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. C. Thomas Hilton tells the story of the old missionary couple returning to America after years of service of ministry in Africa. They were arriving in New York to retire with no pension, their health broken, discouraged, and afraid. The couple discovered, and this happened a long time ago, discovered they were on the same ship with President Teddy Roosevelt, who was returning from one of his big game hunting expeditions. All through the journey, they observed passengers trying to catch a glimpse of the president, while no one even knew they existed. When the ship docked in New York, the mayor and other dignitaries were there to greet the president as a brass band played in his honor. No one noticed the missionary couple as they slipped quietly off the ship, found a cheap flat on the east side, and hoped to find some way to make a living. That night, the man's spirit spirit broke. This is all wrong, he cried out. We have given our lives in service in Africa, and no one even cares. But this man, the president, comes back from a hunting trip, and everybody makes over him. It isn't right. God isn't treating us fairly. Patiently, his wife responded, Why don't you go into the bedroom and tell that to the Lord? A few minutes later, he emerged from his prayer room, now with a completely different expression. What happened, his wife asked. The Lord settled it with me, he said. I told him how bitter I was that the president should receive this tremendous homecoming when no one even met us as we returned home. And when I finished, it seemed as though the Lord put his hand on my shoulder and simply said, but you are not home yet. You know, we can be very discouraged. And, but the Lord is telling us that in this world, we need not be. But I know as humans we are, and there are so many others who are discouraged as well. And we need to be encouraging them. And you know, this little reading about us Christians We should be happy people, shouldn't we be? Should our faces be long and drawn sometimes? Or should we always be smiling? Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, when you are encouraging. It is destroyed when you are cruel and non-caring. 
You have heard that by helping each other, encouraging each other, Christians help themselves. Recently, I heard an allegory that illustrates this fact remarkably well. The story is told about a man who went to heaven. As he stood at the gates of heaven, he asked God if he could see Hades, or hell, before he actually went into heaven, so he could fully appreciate how wonderful heaven was. God agreed, and an angel took the man down to Hades. The air in Hades was rank with the smell of rotten food and the sounds of moaning. Everyone sitting around the long tables was thin as a rail and obviously starving, even though the tables were covered with delicious food. What's the matter with them? The man demanded of the angel. There's plenty of food. Why are they starving? The people turned long-drawn faces toward the visitor with expressions of pain and hunger. They can't eat, the angel replied. Look closely. Everyone is required to use spoons that are four feet long, but they can't feed themselves because their arms aren't long enough. The spoons take the food past their heads, So they starve. The man watched in dismay as the starving people wildly scooped up spoonfuls of delicious food, then groaned, twisting and contorting their bodies in an effort to make the spoons meet their mouths. But the food fell on the ground behind them and immediately spoiled. I've seen enough. The man told the angel, and immediately they returned to heaven. When they walked through the gates of heaven into the city, the man saw bountiful tables of food, just like the tables in Hades. But the people sitting around these tables were smiling and talking, looking very well fed and happy. And this was hard to believe. Each one held a four-foot-long spoon. What's going on? The man whispered to the angel, not wanting to attract attention. These people have the same food and the same eating utensils as the people in Hades. How is it that they're not starving? Because the angel smiled, they feed each other. We need, as Christians, to feed each other. We need, as Christians, especially Seventh-day Adventist Christians, to encourage each other. Real Christians look out for each other. Real Christians look out for those who need help. Why don't we find someone who needs us to look out for him or her today? to encourage him or her. You know, there's a song I have always liked, but the only time growing up as a child and as a young person I really ever heard this song was, Sylvia, you got it? Was when we had communion, and I don't know why. We only sang it 
at communion time. And I don't recall if we've ever sung it here at our church. But it's, it's a song that I have always liked. It's a song that reminds us to bind ourselves together as one. I'm going to have Sylvia play that for me now, please. And then we have just a little bit more to go. Turn it up a bit more. was and is an essential way of extending grace to each other. So how do I grow in being an encouragement to others? Pray for God to make you an encourager. Study Barnabas and ask God to make you like him. I know I'm sure most of us know the story of Barnabas, 
Make encouragement a daily discipline. Pray for God to show you who to encourage. Use scripture if you're able. Be specific in what you say. Regularly encourage your pastor, your elders, your deacons, everyone in the church. Pray that God would create a culture of encouragement in our church. And be wise. And get started. May the Lord do more than we can imagine through just a little encouragement. And that's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. So be an encourager. Be good to everyone, for almost everyone in one form or another is having a tough time. Encouragement is not soon forgotten. Flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. William Arth wrote those words a very, very long time ago. And so, I told you we would be here for either a short time or a long time. So, you're getting out early today. I want to remind us that as we go through this week, as we go through our lives, it's not hard to encourage others. It's not hard to be kind. It's not hard to be polite. It's not hard as Christians, especially Seventh-day Adventist Christians, to do any of these things. And I'm not saying that any of us are lacking in encouragement, but my idea today was to just get us going again. If we had stopped encouraging, if we weren't good at it, let us start. Let us continue to encourage each other as we go through this week, as we go through life.